Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another edition of From the Newsroom, the weekly podcast of the Holland Sentinel. I'm reporter Arpan Lobo, and as usual, I'm joined by our managing editor, Audra Gamble. Audra, how's it going? It's going pretty well. How about yourself, Arpan? I'm doing okay. I'm glad to hear that's going well for you. Uh, we are talking this week. Um, there weren't any debates. There weren't any elections. But the notable topic we have to talk about today is the endorsement of Joe Biden by one former Michigan governor, Rick Snyder, a Republican. And um, it ran on the USA Today uh, network this morning, uh, Snyder's column. And in the column, he talks about why he's going to be voting for Biden over Trump. He mentions that he'll still be voting for Republicans everywhere else on the ballot, but he cannot deal with what he calls uh, in Donald Trump a bully in the White House any longer. So, Audra, what's kind of your reaction to this endorsement, and what do you think the impact it will kind of have? Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. You know, partially the timing of it, we're still pretty far out from the general election. Um, And I think this is, you know, kind of a a purposeful sort of long haul from the the Biden campaign and, and, you know, associated players of, trying to kind of put the, the bug in the ear of, of moderates or, or more, um, you know, central right voters who feel really disenfranchised um, in Trump's version of the Republican Party. And, you know, it, it's kind of that, that idea of um, repeated impressions and, and reiterating the same message over and over again to let it sort of sink in. Um, and, and I think that's partially why, you know, this endorsement came so early on in in the endorsement cycle here. Um, I I also think it was kind of notable what Snyder didn't say in the column. He, he, you know, talked kind of in broad generalizations about things like foreign policy and, and, you know, uh, uh, tax plans and things like that, but he didn't go into very many specifics of, um, you know, policy, um, moments or, or agenda items for the Republican Party or Donald Trump. It was more about morals and tone. And, and like you said, Arpan, he, he called um, Donald Trump a bully. And I just wanted to, to read a little bit of that because I thought, uh, you know, it was interesting sort of how he phrased it. He talked about leadership and, and what he believes, you know, it is lacking in the current White House. So here here's that paragraph from... Uh, I don't know, I'd say maybe halfway down if if you guys want to read the column on on the Detroit Free Press. Um, So Rick Snyder says, a great leader treats people with respect even when they present different opinions. Without a variety of views and opinions, we would have no innovation or creativity in our nation. Being a bully and being strong are not the same thing. Being strong is standing up for your convictions. Being a bully is trying to intimidate those who are perceived to be weaker or a threat. 
As a proud nerd, I had to deal with bullies over many years. It is tragedy watching our world suffer from one. Yeah, that's pre- pretty clear cut, you know, what... Yeah, I mean, strong language. Right, it, it, it makes... Can, you can make no mistake about what Snyder thinks of the president when he writes something like that. Um, and uh, Snyder, who was governor in, in Michigan from 2011 to 2018, so he's worked um, with both uh, a, white, a Donald Trump White House, but for a longer period of time, a Barack Obama White House with Joe Biden as the vice president. He didn't exactly, you know, shower, you know, Joe Biden with a ton of praise. The tone of the column was more focused on President Trump. But he did mention that, um, let's see if I can find it here in front of me. You know, I don't think he mentions Biden at all. <laughs> I'm looking uh, for... You know, mentions him by name as as sort of you know who he's he's going to vote for, but he does talk a lot more about um, you know kind of big picture moments and, and morals and and you know what he thinks is best for Michigan rather than um, you know singing the praises of of Joe Biden. I think he's trying to you know appeal to those who. You know, Joe, both at this point, both Joe Biden and Donald Trump are, are sort of known entities in terms of, you know, what they stand for and, and things like that. He does, however, mention by name um, very early up in his column some really prominent Michigan Republicans, including President Gerald Ford, who, of course, is from Grand Rapids. And he also mentions Mitt Romney. Um, and I thought that was sort of, you know, interesting that that's how he set the tone of, you know, here's who I'm talking about. Those of you or talking to those of you in Michigan who grew up, you know, looking at, at, you know, these, these individuals as, you know, political ideals and, and, you know, you feel proud, you know, to be a member of that Michigan Republican party. I'm going to talk about why, you know, I'm breaking ranks as a former Michigan Republican governor, you know, maybe you should think about doing it too. Right. And I, I stand corrected. It took me a while to find it. But I did find, he says, I had the opportunity to direct to interact with Mr. Biden when he served as vice president. And he goes on to say that their interactions were always uh, constructive and respectful. And, you know, for, for Snyder, if he worked with a Trump White House for the last two years of his tenure, he didn't mention any interactions there when uh, in the column. So it's interesting. uh just kind of seeing the juxtaposition of the two candidates. But, Audra, you mentioned something yesterday when we learned this um, column was coming out uh, this morning. We're recording on a Thursday. Uh, about late in the evening last night, you know, we got a heads up that it would publish. And uh, one of the after, – after the kind of uh, initial – we're like, wow, that's notable reaction from a few of us. You mentioned that you weren't quite sure if this was – exactly a home run for the Biden campaign. What were you referring to uh, when you kind of brought that up? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it very much so depends on on who you're talking about as an audience for this column. Um, you know, I think that when, when Michiganders think of Rick Snyder, they think of a few things. Uh, you know, they, they think of him as that sort of um, you know, tough nerd personality that he puts, I think that's still his Twitter handle is one tough nerd. <laughs> um, and he, you know, was really into, 
um, science, technology, engineering, and math, um, you know, opportunities for Michigan students and, and for Michigan businesses, and really into, you know, um, engineering innovation and, and that sort of thing for the state. And then I think the other thing that people think of when they think of Rick Snyder is that he was in charge during the Flint water crisis. And, you know, that's, it's certainly received a large amount of national attention, frankly, international attention. And there are still really important lasting impacts that the residents of Flint are still dealing with. Um, you know, I think it is important to remember that voters of color are especially important to um, Joe Biden's campaign in the state of Michigan, particularly in Southeast Michigan and in the Metro Detroit area. And I don't necessarily know, you know, how much of a positive sway it is for some of those voters in, in the Flint area who may be, you know, one of those sort of on the fence voters to see that Rick Snyder is, is in Biden's camp. Elsewhere in the state, it may play much more positively. But, you know, there is that, that connotation. He also, um, you know, made some, some controversial decisions in terms of, um, you know, the, the entire process of emergency managers for, for Flint and Detroit. Um, you know, there, there were some things toward, especially the end of, of his, um, you know, time as governor that I think may have left a more sour taste in, in Michiganders' um, mouths than sweet, depending on where in the state you're talking about. So that's a very good point uh, that you bring up about, you know, the kind of different impact across the state. And uh, kind of on that macro level, when you think of Democrats and Republicans and their views of the president, you know, Democrats, for the most part, are in lockstep against him. Occasionally, I have one dissenter, like we saw the RNC saying that he was in favor of Trump as a Democrat. But for the most part, it's all in one direction. Um, there's a bit more division in the Republican Party. Um, over the past three plus years of, of Trump being in the White House, We've seen, you know, and I kind of refer to them as the Project Lincoln Republicans for that really grifty uh, Twitter account that, like, t steals people's content. But, um, you know, they're the ones that are, oh, we're Republicans, but we're never Trumpers. That's another common, uh, more common uh, right. reference to them. Right. There's a lot of sort of splinters going on. Right. In, in my view, I, I think, you know, those never Trumpers, I mean – the Snyder endorsement is probably another, like, piece of evidence they can show. But for the most part, I think the Republican Party is pretty, you know, lockstep with President Trump. Uh, Laura Cox, who's a former state representative in Michigan, and now she's the uh, chairwoman of the state Republican Party, her immediate reaction, she tweeted, she called uh, Rick Snyder uh, Mr. Irrelevant, you know, and that's, you know, especially... Interesting because she was in the state legislature when he was governor. Uh, then she put out a more formal statement saying that, oh, Donald Trump won Michigan in 2016 without Snyder's help and he'll do it again. So it's interesting to see, you know, who this uh, kind of, which voters are swayed by this. It'd be interesting. I You can't, you know survey every single voter, but I'd, I'd want to know how many do we have to survey until we see, oh, well, I keep saying, you know, more and more Republican figures like former Michigan Governor Rick Snyder endorsed Biden. So that really played an impact into me voting against President Trump. Yeah. And, and you know what, you and I were talking a little bit before about kind of trying to understand 
perhaps the the exact bracket of voter that this column is is targeted toward. Uh, you know, and I, I I wonder a little bit if it's more geared toward um, you know a, an older voter than perhaps a, a younger millennial voter, just in terms of. Um, you know, the, the Biden campaign's strategy of, of who to motivate to get to the polls and when in the, the election cycle. Right. That's uh, a, a good point you bring up because Rick Snyder probably doesn't have favorable views among younger progressives. Um, there's a lot, you know, kind of the Bernie Sanders wing of that of the Democratic Party you know, that have voiced very vocally their kind of, you know, uh, their objections to Biden, you know, and Biden has, you know, kind of moved to the right on some positions. He said as recently as last week that, you know, he was never going to ban fracking, you know, and that's something that caused a lot of uproar from the more progressive kind of the Green New Deal wing of the, the, the Democratic Party. So, you know, it's kind of like, hold, hold up, like, we as uh, you, know, you know, these people are saying we as Democrats shouldn't be saying things like that. But Biden is kind of making those appeals to the moderate centrist voters. So it'll be interesting to see. A lot was made in 2016 of the third party voters um, that didn't vote for Clinton or Trump. They might have voted for um, the Green Party candidate Jill Stein or, you know, Libertarian candidate uh, Gary Johnson at the time. It'll be interesting to see, you know, if, if we get something like that, like if uh, the Green Party candidate, I think is, um, I don't have his name in front of me, but if he can pull similar numbers to what Jill Stein did, that'll have a big impact. And so for the, for the Biden campaign, it, they're making a clear effort to go after these middle of the road voters. I think they should be kind of cautious about ignoring, you know, their voters to the left. Uh, because that's going to play a big role, and we're seeing it more and more people, more and more voters across the country are shifting to the left. We see Cory Bush, you know, winning a primary in Missouri to uh, oust a, you know, a Democratic uh, official who had been in there for decades. We know the squad, you know, and there's a member of the squad that's from Michigan, Rashida Taleb. We see, you know, Jamal Bowman beating... Uh, 30-year incumbent Elliot Engel in New York. So there is a key, you know, wing of the Democratic electorate that is progressive. And I think the Biden campaign would be kind of smart to, while, yes, it's, I guess, you know, this is a net positive for them to get this endorsement, they should, you know, be paying equal attention to those voters to the left of them. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. It's It's fascinating to see you know, what portion of voters that the Biden campaign is focusing on right now, um, you know, to, to see Michigan getting a ton of national attention because um, Michigan and Wisconsin are, um, you know, incredibly important as we go into November in terms of um, states that went red, for, went red for Donald Trump and, you know, need to go blue in order for, for Joe Biden to win. Um, you know, there's going to be a ton of attention, a ton of media buys, a ton of visits from, um, you know, either the, the individual candidates or, or from, you know, campaign officials in Michigan. Um, and to see it, it, you know, kind of formally kicking off with this push to middle of the road, moderate voters, rather than 
the the individuals who are are far right voters who feel um, you know disenfranchised because someone like um, you know Elizabeth Warren or, or Bernie Sanders did not get the Democratic nomination, and I, I think that is kind of where that age split happens of just kind of straight statistics, a younger voter is less likely to show up to the polls than an older voter. Older voter. Um, you know, that's that's been consistent for decades. And so, you know, it's possible that the Biden campaign is focusing on that older, middle-of-the-road voter more than a younger, more progressive voter to motivate them because they're more likely st- statistically to actually show up on November 3rd. Right. And that could be the very decision the Biden campaign's making. That's a great point. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, we're still months, two months away now, um, whether the, the efforts to continue stacking these um, former or current Republican endorsements versus whether he sprinkles, you know, I mean, the progressive figures, elected officials have endorsed Biden already. And I think that maybe the campaign is just banking on them to kind of go out there and stop for him. And maybe that'll work, but um, we'll... But I mean, it definitely is a risk, because when you think about, you know, the state of Michigan, um, we have 15 public universities, which is, you know, 15 places, although perhaps by by November may or may not be on <laughs> physical college campuses, but, um, you know, that's a lot of young potential voters, you know, in terms of the student population of the state, and, and then also just you know, the, the 35 and, and younger population. So it's certainly a risk to, to choose actively to target, you know, an older, more moderate voter than a younger, more progressive voter in the state. Right, right. Uh, and I think the last thing we wanted to hit on before we get out of here, um, Michigan is clearly a swing state. You know, both candidates know this. President Trump is on the phone with the Big Ten commissioner trying to get, you know, the Spartans and the Wolverines back in the stadiums this fall right. be- before Election Day. You know, both campaigns know of the state's importance. Um, is that kind of the reason why this column or this op-ed, whatever you want to call it from Snyder, is kind of making the waves in more than just Michigan? You mentioned that you saw it on a national um, content budget um, on our side of things and that maybe wasn't something that um, was expected. Yeah, it's interesting because I don't necessarily know how much political clout retired Governor Rick Snyder has outside of the state of Michigan. You know what I mean? Um, So it, yeah, it was kind of fascinating to see, you know, we got, you know, national budgets of of stories for newspaper editors and things like that. and, And this was one of the stories on it today. You know, I think it certainly has a lot of play within the state of Michigan, but it, it was a little surprising to me to see. Um, you know, how much attention it was getting from, from national media outlets. And I think that's, that's just sort of indicative of how high stakes both, both campaigns recognize Michigan to be moving into, into November. I think it's, you know, kind of a telltale sign that it certainly is not going to slow down from here <laughs> in terms of, of national attention for, for Michigan voters. And, you know, also just sort of putting that emphasis on, the stakes for for um, Michigan, but also the Midwest in general, come November. That's that's an excellent point, and I think with that, we'll get on out of here. Um, Audra, anything else you wanted to mention before we uh, sign off? Uh, I just wanted to mention that if anyone is you know kind of not at the bit to get going on on their votes, um, 
absentee ballot applications should be ready to go by the end of this month. So if you guys want to reach out to your local municipal or or county clerks, whatever is appropriate for you, you can start putting that on your to-do list. Mm -hmm. Some of us might have even gotten uh, the option to request one for November back before the August primary when they first sent out. So it's a good... That's a good thing to double check on, a good point. I think with that, we'll get on out of here. Anyway, for Managing Editor Audra Gamble, I'm reporter Arpan Lobo, and this has been another edition of From the Newsroom with the Holland Sentinel. Thanks for listening. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.